it wasn't just the fact that South Carolina won against Kentucky, but it was the way in which they won that was most impressive about last Saturday night. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listener watch for your team here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more right now as new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. The South Carolina Gamecocks defeat the Kentucky Wildcats this past Saturday night, which means that South Carolina is now 5-6 on the year. Yes, Bowl eligibility hopes are still alive and well here in Columbia. And of course, it is now officially Ravelry Week. The best time of the year in all of sports, in my opinion, with everything that's going on this week. We're going to dive into a lot of different topics on today's show. But we're going to start off with the win itself against the Kentucky Wildcats. Because while obviously it was impressive that South Carolina in Facing all of these, you know, odds and facing the implications of this game, it was impressive that they won in the first place. But it's even more impressive the fact that they won it in a way that they haven't done so really all season long. Because South Carolina won ugly. You know, we can be fair and honest about this game. This was a very ugly game to watch at times for both of these football teams. And for South Carolina, that goes against the norm of what we have seen from this team up to this point in the season when they have played in Williams-Brice. Because in every other game that South Carolina had played, South Carolina had scored 31 or more offensive points. That includes games against Mississippi State, Florida, and Jacksonville State, along with Furman and Vanderbilt. And by the way, three of those games, sure, they were pretty close games. Those being against Mississippi State, Florida, and Jacksonville State. But all three of those games, they were shootouts, in all honesty, where there wasn't much defense to be had on those days. In this game, South Carolina's defense, for the most part, they had to go out there and own the day against a football team that prides itself on being physical and typically Pretty solid fundamental defensive play in the Kentucky Wildcats. And if I told you going into this game that the Gamecocks were only going to score 17 points, you probably would have expected Sapcon to walk out of that stadium with a loss. And that's why this is impressive because there's an old saying, or not really an old saying, but there's a current saying that a lot of people use when it comes to spreads and football teams, which is that good football teams win, great football teams cover the spread. In my opinion, good football teams find a way to win. Great football teams find a way to win in a variety of different ways. Now, that's not to say that South Carolina is a great football team nonetheless, but they continue to find ways to get it done when it has mattered the most here in the month of November. And let's be honest, a couple weeks ago, 
they probably don't win this game. Schematically speaking, this defensive coaching staff had yet to fully embrace this 3-3-5 defense that we have now seen for the majority of the last two games against the Vanderbilt Commodores and the Kentucky Wildcats. And I think that you really don't need to know X's and O's to see that there has been some massive improvements, some massive strides that have taken place for certain players in this new 3-3-5 look that the Gamecocks have been using to a much higher degree over the past couple of games. The other thing is, a few weeks ago, this team did not have a whole lot of momentum behind them. As a matter of fact, I guess you could say it was momentum, but it was a bunch of negative momentum. You know, a lot of fans, obviously, you know, for good reason, being very upset about the product on the football field. The Gamecocks were losers of four straight games heading into the month of November. And there is such a thing as, you know, almost forgetting how to win football games. You know, when you go through a elongated stretch where you can't even find a way to get a W on your schedule, then that starts to wear on you mentally. And it can absolutely change the entire psyche, not just of a particular player, but maybe a whole positional unit, the entire team. And who knows, maybe even the coaching staff, they can maybe get to a point where they start to second guess, you know, am I making all the right calls at the right time? Am I pushing all the right buttons? It really can wear down an entire program or franchise when you go through that kind of stretch. But when you get a couple wins strung together against, yes, lesser teams in Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt, when you finally tweak some things on a side of the ball that um, a couple months ago was not playing good at all, really, in any facet, that is how you win this kind of game. It's how you manage to pull off an ugly win against the Kentucky Wildcats. Something that, again, probably a month or two ago, you would not have been able to do that. And I say all that to say that this speaks to the culture that Shane Beamer has put into this program. And I know that this season in particular, because the football team has gone through more struggles than maybe some of us had anticipated them going through, a lot of people are now starting to poke at, you know, the whole love aspect of Shane Beamer's culture and, you know, above all else and everything. And it's very easy to do that, again, when the team is losing. So, when the team wins a game like this, um, you got to credit the culture that Shane Muir's put in there, right? Because guess what? There's another team out west right now who was a darling of the sport at the beginning of the season, and now their entire season has gone completely off the rails despite all the supposed talent that they had acquired in the transfer portal. And I'm, of course, talking about the Colorado Buffaloes. And you look at that coach that's leading that program, and he says culture doesn't really matter to him. It's easy to say that when things are going good. But guess what? When things are going bad, you got to have something to fall back on. You can't just look at talent and hope that the talent is going to get you over the hump. Sometimes you need something a little bit stronger and deeper than that. And Shane Beamer's got that here. And that's why this team has continued to fight. And it's why this team, going into rivalry week against the Clemson Tigers, who we're going to talk about again later in the show, still have a shot to make a bowl game purely based off of wins. A month ago, most people would not have guessed that they would have been in that position. But they are. So that speaks to what Shane Beamer has really instilled here in terms of his foundation of this program. And it's also a credit to the players for not giving up and some of these coaches on this staff for finally making some long-awaited adjustments that, if 
we're being again truthful here, probably should have been made way further back in the season. But there's only so much you could say at this point. All you could do is focus on the now and the future. So really good win here for South Carolina for very obvious reasons. But Shane Beamer, you know, in his post-game press conference, when he was asked about the environment, he gave a ton of credit to the fans that were there at that game and said that it was quite loud and probably one of the loudest environments that he's been in at Williams-Brice Stadium since he came to Columbia back in the 2020 offseason. But he did have something to say about the student section in particular. And I got to say, I agree with his sentiments. We're going to break down those comments and discuss it in further detail in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Listening.com. Now, for any of you college kids that are listening or watching this show right now, first of all, thank you for doing so. And second of all, I know the final exams are coming up very, very soon. And so some of you might be stressing out about how you're going to go back and look over all the chapters and notes and everything that you have in each of your classes in order to get adequately prepared for each of those final exams. And I've got the solution for you. There's this incredible app called Listening.com, which can take any academic paper, PDF document, or class material and turn it into an audiobook. It can read math equations, technical words, and also complicated documents. It knows to skip all the citations, all those footnotes and references that you don't need to look at. And it lets you jump straight to the chapter or section that you want to listen to. It even has a one-click note-taking button where it automatically puts the last 10 seconds into a notepad so you don't have to type notes while you're listening. And best of all, if you use the link listening.com slash locked on, you'll be able to get your first three weeks for free. So go ahead and give it a try. Usually it's two weeks free, but you get an extra free week when you go to listening.com slash locked on. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily watch on YouTube or your daily listen wherever you get your audio podcast daily. Now, Shane Beamer was obviously in a pretty good mood after the football game this past Saturday night, as obviously Carolina defeated the Kentucky Wildcats 17-14, And there was a lot of good to be said about the performance. You know, the offense made plays when they needed to the most. The defense, once again, had a really, really solid performance, this time against a much tougher opponent in Kentucky. And special teams also played a pretty big role in this game as well. But there was one thing that Shane Beamer did nitpick when he was answering questions from the media after the game. And what he nitpicked was the amount of empty seats there were in the student section in particular, which is known as the cockpit for South Carolina at Williams-Brice Stadium. So what I'm going to do real quick is I'm going to play a video clip slash soundbite of Shane Beamer's comments regarding sort of the environment and him talking about the student section, and then we're going to come back and we're going to discuss it a little bit further. So here's what Shane Beamer had to say about the student section. No, they were awesome from the um, from the pregame. Gamecock walk was amazing. The electricity and pregame warm-ups was uh was awesome it was right at the top I mean there was a time there in the first quarter where I remember thinking to myself this is the loudest I've heard this stadium since I've been the head football coach here and it was hard to hear on the headphones tonight like normally you're the home team and you can hear well and all that as well it was harder to hear 
um, on our headphones tonight as coaches because of the crowd noise. I'm not telling them to be quiet, like keep being louder. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine, but louder than any venue I've been on the road uh, since I've been the head coach. We never haven't had that issue hearing on the headphones, but we did tonight. So we're going to need our crowd to um, – um, we're going to need our crowd to, to do that as well. And if I can uh, – plenty of people will nitpick me uh, for this game, and rightfully so. If I can nitpick a little bit, cockpit, we love you. But if you're going to come, please stay for the whole game to the cockpit. Like, I love you guys. And that end zone was amazing. But we don't need empty seats and a four-quarter dogfight like that in our student section. So we need every single one of you that are here next weekend for after Thanksgiving break that are here for the Clemson game. And uh, it's going to be a probably a four-quarter dogfight next week as well. So we have the greatest student section in the country, cockpit. And I sent out a tweet yesterday, or X, or whatever it's called now, challenging you, and we need you to be great next week. We're going to be better as a football team, and then we need to be better um, uh, with 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 keeping this place rocking through four quarters. All right, so let's break down these comments from Shane Beamer in full. So the first thought that I have with what he said about the student section is um, I agree with him. I absolutely agree with him. There is no excuse for there to be that many empty seats in that section of the stadium going to the fourth quarter against an SEC opponent, a decent SEC opponent at that, in a game where you're trying to keep your ball eligibility hopes alive. The team has won a couple of games in a row. There was a lot riding on this football game. And it was also a night game. And yet, there was a bunch of areas in that student section that were just smack empty. And I'm speaking as a person that was in those shoes just a couple of years ago. And I know that we probably had a few games where, you know, other fans in the stadium called us out and said that, you know, we did not do our part in really staying for the entire football game. But here's the thing. You've got so much time on your hands. If you have to study or if you're trying to get some homework done, you've got the majority of Friday, you've got like the first half of Saturday, and then you've got all of Sunday to get that stuff done. So you shouldn't have so much on your plate when it comes to schoolwork that you can't stay for the entire three hours. Secondly, this isn't the first or second home game of the season. This is home game number six. So in terms of the pregame festivities that you partake in, You should know by that point how much you can handle. It's also not in the heat of the day. The weather was perfect. It was around 70 degrees, maybe a little bit less than that at kickoff. Sure, it got a little bit chilly maybe by the end. But overall, the weather was phenomenal for this football game, considering the fact that it was in mid to late November. Now, I will also say this. The students are not the only ones. Every single home game this week, I have scanned the upper deck. And there are too many empty seats in the upper deck as well and it's been that way for a while now and I'm going to be completely honest it's probably why eventually you'll see this athletic department make some changes in terms of the configuration of Williams Bryce Stadium because if they're going to have all those seats up there not getting used then they will take that money and they will put it somewhere else like premium seating where they know they will get plenty of people probably to jump in the line to pay for those seats throughout an entire football season that will happen at some point because that has gone on for a very long period of time the other thing is it allows other fan bases such as the one that you're going to be dealing with all this week to take those snapshots and act like, oh, South Carolina's fan base claims are so great, and yet here's all these empty seats. 
I will say South Carolina is not the only school that's dealing with this issue. There's some schools that are dealing with way worse issues when it comes to fan turnout and fan retention throughout the football game relative to South Carolina. Clemson has their own share of issues. So they certainly cannot act like that, you know, this is just a South Carolina problem. And I, I, I can tell you it's not. And I also understand that there are certain things that are unavoidable for certain people. Like, you know, if you're in the upper deck, maybe you took your whole family with you to this football game and you had a couple young kids with you. And one of them just started throwing a temper tantrum. Every parent that has gone to Williams Bryce for so many years that had a kid that grew up basically in that stadium, you have had at least one game in that span where your kid just got to the point where, you know, the only option you had really was to leave the game was to just drop what you were doing and just say, okay, let's all get to the car and let's go home. And that was all you could do in order to get your kid to calm down. Everybody deals with that as a parent for sure. And then for students, I do understand that for a night game, it's late at night. A lot of students do walk back to their apartments and houses. And especially with how late it can get with how long this football game, I think, took because of all the stoppages, because of all the three and outs and, you know, the stalled offensive drives and all that. I can understand maybe the concern for safety, especially if you're a parent of a student. Maybe you want the shuttle bus system to be upgraded a little bit. You know, there are definitely certain times where it can take 15 to 20 minutes on end because of all the traffic for a shuttle bus to get near central campus, maybe the Russell house, and then get all the way back to George Rogers Boulevard, right near the fairgrounds to pick up more students. I, I, again, I did that. I walked all the way back to my park plenty of times after these football games. And I was very fortunate that I never had something bad happen to me, but that doesn't mean that that can't, that will never take place. It's an unfortunate reality, but we do have to acknowledge that. So I do also acknowledge that, you know, some people, they can't help it if they have to go. And there are maybe certain safety concerns for students in particular that you do have to look out for when it comes to these night games. So needless to say, there's a couple different things that will have to be addressed with this in the future. But I do think it says a lot that the head coach of South Carolina, after winning a football game, that that was one of the things that was on the forefront of his mind is the fact that, you know, not enough people stayed throughout the entire ball game. And that cannot happen this week. I will tell you that much. It absolutely cannot happen. Plan accordingly if you have to. Plan ahead. Prioritize and cut out certain time. Think about how you want to go about the game and maybe when you're going to depart, if it plays out a certain way. Do it like that if you need to. But against Clemson, y'all, I promise you, those Tiger fans will take advantage of every empty seat that you leave up there in that upper deck. And they maybe will even do so in the student section, at least maybe that corner part of the student section, if you let them. So Shane is right overall. That cannot happen again. And I do also acknowledge that, you know, there are certain things that do need to be looked at. Maybe some things need to be altered. But... That does have to improve. You can't just go into the stadium, stay for one half, and it's like a one-score game. The team is winning, and then you leave. I understand, again, special circumstances at times. But this one, uh, no. I just I just cannot believe, again, that there were that many empty seats. So, needless to say, just got to do better. You got to be better at this point in the year with these kind of games that the Gamecocks are playing at home. 
So we talked about the Kentucky game, and now it's time for us to move on to rivalry week as the Gamecocks are set to take on that team from the upstate in just a few days. So when looking at this team from just a surface level standpoint, what do you need to know about the Clemson Tigers, both offensively and defensively? We'll touch on that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Again, that's $150 if your bet hits. Monday Night Football is set to take place later this evening as... The Philadelphia Eagles will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. It will be basically a rematch of the Kelsey Bowl from last year's Super Bowl. The money line for Philadelphia is set at plus 126, and the money line for the Chiefs is set at minus 148. And no, if you're wondering, there is no prop bet on how many times the camera is going to show Taylor Swift throughout this football game. But if you're interested in the money line for that game or maybe any other NFL games, now's the best time to join FanDuel because the app is easy to use and you can bet on anything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so let's get into our initial thoughts on the Clemson Tigers. And the first thing that I will say, without having watched really any of their previous games yet at this point in the week, Clemson, in my opinion, they have some similarities to the Kentucky Wildcats, the team that South Carolina just played this past weekend. When you look at the Tigers' offense, in my opinion, it really does all start with their run game. And that run game, of course, is led by their running back duo of Will Shipley and Paul Maffa. And it feels like that those two guys have been there for like literally five, six, seven years at this point. But no, I think those guys could actually both come back if they wanted to. Point being, those two guys, they've done a lot for this team. They've combined for 1,523 rushing yards, an average of 5.25 yards per carry between both those guys. And they've also combined for 14 total rushing touchdowns. So Will Shipley, Paul Maffa, both of those guys are equally good. They can both do damage against your defense if you cannot contain them. So, if you're South Carolina, the defensive game plan needs to be a bit similar from a generic aspect in the sense that you have got to make sure that you do not let those guys essentially rule the day for that Tigers offense. And if you do, you'll make the task at hand a lot more difficult on Saturday night. The other thing is this, Clemson could possibly lean on those guys a lot more than they maybe usually would in this contest because they've got a lot of injuries that have piled up at their wide receiver position in particular. Wide receiver Bo Collins, who actually is their leading receiver and yes, has also been there for like five, six, seven years now. He just tore his uh, plantar fascia this past Saturday and as painful as that sounds, Debo Sweeney apparently says that he is uh, day-to-day right now, and it's sort of a pain tolerance thing with that injury. So we'll see what his availability is this coming Saturday. Antonio Williams, probably the most talented receiver out of that receiving core, 
He has been out for quite a while. I don't think he played this past Saturday against North Carolina. So you have to wonder if he might come back this week, maybe just to serve as at least a decoy for Clemson. Who knows what that's going to look like as this week progresses. Adam Randall, one of their you know highly touted younger freshmen, maybe redshirt freshmen at this point in this receiving core, he's been playing with a broken hand for the past few weeks. So he's been playing through injury. And then apparently uh, Troy Stellato, who has dealt with multiple lower body injuries uh, up to this point in his football career, he apparently has finally gotten healthy enough to actually play consistently. But some people have been saying that he also has been playing basically banged up, kind of like a similar situation to Xavier Leggett, you know, fighting through injury for these past few games. So Clemson certainly has a bunch of decent, weapons at that receiver spot but a bunch of those guys either have been playing through injury or have been out due to injury for the past few weeks or so and then switching over to Clemson's defense their defense as usual is pretty doggone stout that's no different from what we've seen from this Tigers team from the past several years now they are 26th in third down defense they are fifth in the country in first down defense And they've only allowed their opponents to enter the red zone on 26 occasions. That is the sixth best mark or tied for the sixth best mark in all of college football. So it is hard to extend drives against this defense. It is hard to really get things going against this defense. And even when you do get into the red zone, it is hard to score against this defense. But this defense does have one weakness that I do think South Carolina can take advantage of potentially this coming Saturday. And that is the fact that their pass rush as a whole really is not all that great. Now, if you look at their team's sack numbers, I believe the Tigers have somewhere around 26 to 28 sacks. That's a pretty decent number considering, again, how college football, how football in general is played now at this point in the year. But it's not a good sign, in my opinion, if your best pass rusher, both statistically and analytically speaking, is linebacker Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Jeremiah has totaled five and a half sacks to this point in the year. But again, the fact that he is a second-level defender, typically in this defense, tells me that basically defensive coordinator Wes Goodwin He is scheming up ways to get Jeremiah a free shot at the opposing quarterback, and that is what has led to his sack total at this point in the year. And don't get me wrong, Trotter is a very good player. He is going to play at the next level, no question about that. But again, you never want to see that from your defense, especially if your defense is not like a traditional 3-4 defense like Clemson's. Clemson's best pass rusher as a whole is probably defensive lineman Xavier Thomas, who, yes, has also seemingly been there for like six to nine years at this point. And he, I think, has two total sacks at this point in the year. So Xavier Thomas might be getting pressure, but he's not getting home very often. And we have to keep in mind, Clemson plays in the ACC. And sure, the ACC might not be as bad as it was maybe about five, six, seven years ago, but still... The talent disparity between the SEC and the ACC is pretty doggone wide. So Clemson, for as much as the numbers say that they are an elite defense, still, this defense still has issues getting to the quarterback. And that never used to be an issue under Brent Venables, but they have had a noticeable drop-off in that area since Wes Goodwin took over as their defensive coordinator. So 
This Clemson Tigers football team, let's not get it twisted. You know, sure, it's a rivalry game, and I know that this is a week where you want to hurl nothing but insults at the opposing fan base, at the opposing team. But we do have to be honest and say that, you know, Clemson still has some really good players on both sides of the ball. But is this team, you know, unbeatable? No, it's not. South Carolina can absolutely win this football game. And there are definitely some weaknesses that, in my opinion, can be exploited on both sides here for Clemson. You know, can Cade Klubnick, if he has to, carry the day for them offensively? Think about this. Clemson has played four road games to this point in the season. But those road games have been at Duke, at Syracuse, at Miami, and at NC State. The only somewhat respectable, consistent home field that they've had to play at this year has been NC State's. And NC State's home field environment comes nowhere near close to South Carolina's at Williams-Brice Stadium. It just doesn't. It is different. Let's not even talk about Miami and Syracuse and all because it's just not worth discussing those, right? And in my opinion, that will make a difference in this game. And when you look at Cade Klubnick's numbers at home games versus away games, Kate Club does not play as well on the road. He barely completes 61% of his passes, and I believe he has four touchdowns passing and three interceptions, or maybe five passing touchdowns and four interceptions. Point being, he doesn't light things up when he's not playing in front of his own home crowd. So, this is absolutely a winnable game for South Carolina. But, again, the formula might have to remain the same as it was against Kentucky. This might end up being an, another slugfest. It might end up being another rock fight where the defense, you're going to have to step up in certain areas, especially when it comes to defending the run, to give yourself a chance. Offensively, you're going to earn your points in this game. You're not going to score 30-plus. If you do, I would say that it's a good night for South Carolina, but I'm not going to outright expect that in this matchup. This might be a game where it's like, hey, you're going to get to Clemson's side of the field a few times, and when you do, you need to take advantage of it, and you got to get something out of it. So it is going to be very intriguing to dive into this matchup a lot further as we go throughout the week. But with all that being said, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are y'all's thoughts on how South Carolina won this game against Kentucky and what it speaks to about the culture that Chamberman has instilled in this program. What are your thoughts on what Chamberman said about some of the empty seats in the student section and maybe some of the empty seats that this team has had in some of its home games this season? And lastly, what are your initial thoughts on that team from the upstate? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter or X, I should say, at a line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank you all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. I'll be sure to catch you all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.